What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Self Helpless, everybody. I'm Taylor Tomlinson. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Kelsey Cook. And today we have literally a dream guest <gasps> oh on. So excited that he agreed to do it. I sent him a message uh, because we've been friendly for a little bit and said, you know, if, if you ever have just 20 minutes, <laughs> this would be amazing. It's okay if not, truly. I know how busy you are. And he immediately got back to me. And was like for you, of course. And I was like, thank you. But also, if it's if you really change your mind, it's fine. Just like tell your assistant to tell us to fuck right off. Like <laughs> yeah. was so just like yeah. he's so just generous and famous and wonderful. So I just didn't want to take advantage of that relationship. And he was so lovely and stayed on for so much longer than any of us thought he would. Oh, it's yeah. so genuine and amazing. You know him from Queer Eye. He's an amazing fashion designer. He's everything you want him to be and more. It's Tan France, everybody. Yay! Yes! Oh. I mean... Uh, I have a big crush on him, and I am very sweaty after that interview. Wait. I was sweating the whole time. Like, out-of-body experience. We're all fangirling so hard, and were for the last hour and 15 minutes. Um, so without further ado, please enjoy the incredible Tan France. We usually start by asking everyone's like favorite quote. If you have a favorite quote, a least favorite quote, if you have one of each, if you have multiple. Oh my gosh, I'm, I came unprepared. I don't have a favorite <laughs> quote. I don't have a favorite quote. Do I have any least favorites? I'm sure if you gave me some, I could tell you how much I hate them. I hate <laughs> Like, I think I just hate a fucking quote. You know those signs that they have in white people's houses? Um, <laughs> in their kitchens? Like, I hate those. My in-laws have a lot of those. 
and I hate them. Live, um, laugh, love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I'm sure you're thinking of much grander quotes, like, a, I don't know, a Hemingway. I don't know those. <laughs> I grew up poor. We didn't have books. <laughs> I mean, we don't have Hemingway quotes. We usually have quotes that white girls posted on Instagram yeah. and attributed to no one. Yes. They, they just saw it on a pink square. The universe. They usually do the with the universe, which I always really appreciate it because it's not often uh, listen I'm gonna say this now so you know that I truly mean this I'm married to a white man I love white people as much as any other race but I'm gonna say the word white people or the, the term white people a lot because you guys do things that are different to the way we do things <laughs> and one of those things is uh speaking to the universe a lot or think that <laughs> with you and I talked about it with my friend a couple of days ago because I'd never noticed, but she said it. And I was like, I've never heard a person of color say, I think the universe wants me to do this. I've literally never heard that before. Because <laughs> if that were the case, if the universe was thinking about us, it wouldn't have fucked us so hard. So we never thought that the universe was concerned about us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, God, it really is. It's mm-hmm. such a white girl thing to be like, I got a message from the universe and yeah. I need to follow it. Yes. Yeah, and it's always to do with a boy. Like, I had this feeling that you were thinking of me or that you were really upset or going through a hard time, so I should text you. The universe didn't tell you that. Like, your own yeah. desperation told you that. <laughs> yes. You know what's another yeah. one with the universe is my journey. I mm. love a journey. <laughs> Who doesn't love a journey? Oh my a God, journey. journey. Yeah. Wow. We have gone in real hard. I'm a really nice person. I should also represent this thing. I really care about people. There's just a lot of silly stuff that happens that I can't help but notice. Oh, yeah, you truly yeah. are one of the nicest people ever. Like the first Instagram live I ever did, you like called into it. I and did. I was like, I, I haven't done one since. Because I'm like, we'll never beat that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just expect tan on every time. And I can't, I I can't recreate that. So I, I met uh, Kelsey and Delaney. You may not know this, but I met Taylor maybe seven or eight months ago. Uh, uh, backstage mm-hmm. at Kimmel or Fallon? Fallon. Fallon. And I worried afterwards, I called my husband and I was like, you know Taylor Thomas? And he was like, yeah, duh. Um, I think I just showed my crazy to her. (laughs) And he knows what that means. I don't hide when I'm really excited to meet someone. And then I pretend as if they're my best friend immediately. So I just start hugging them a lot. (laughs) And I'm sure you left. Because comedians are usually like this. You're not the most social people. Usually you're actually kind of a little, uh, comedians are a little standoffish. And so I walked away thinking, oh, she thinks I'm crazy. Yeah, no, no, she fully thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was Not like, possible. wow, Tan France Not is possible. the nicest person I've ever met. And he did that for me. And <laughs> I'll carry that in my heart forever. I am so excited. I was fangirling really hard. <laughs> I was so really excited. Sweet. Oh my God. I Taylor, mean, we're all fangirling you should, so hard. You should quit comedy, Taylor, because this is it. This is it. I mean, it's, it's canceled. It's, yes. It's, we have this on video. That's why it got canceled, probably. Because <laughs> yeah. there's nowhere to go from there. Nowhere to go. And Delaney's fiance is a big fan. Oh, of my yours. God. 
Uh, yeah, my fiance Cam loves you. He does the French tuck because of you when he dresses up and he tries to <laughs> incorporate your tips into his fashion sense, which that he's still working really on. But Have he you loves seen an you. improvement or is he um, listening I've, wrong to what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I've seen an improvement with the way he'll wear certain things, but he hasn't gotten new pieces yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. fine with somebody not buying new stuff. I just think just rework what you've got in your wardrobe or maybe. Yeah wear it differently yeah you know i don't like what he does he wears like these giant shoes with like really skinny pants so he just you know what i mean like the giant skater what are they called yizzles yizzies yizzies Yizzles. (laughs) delaney (laughs) this we should have prepared before i'm so sorry tan that is which feels like an oversight on someone's part <laughs> Lady, I love that. It's called they are called Yeezys. Yes, yes. And, and just tell him maybe avoid the super skinny pan. Okay, I think like it's that. just. I know that it it is a, when women do it, it's a thing. Like I get it. When men do it, it's a bit. It's too skinny sometimes, especially on yeah. straight men. Yeah, it's like maybe this is like his a, leg and this is his shoe. You do know? a straight it's, leg instead of a skinny. It's, it's a lot, a lot. Okay, I, I'll tell him that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Now, how often do you have people ask you for fashion advice just in like your life? I mean, are you just that person now to everyone you come into contact with? Literally about an hour ago, I got a text from a friend saying, okay, I'm doing this thing like, uh, many times a day. Truly many times a day. My friends have always done it though, which I like very much. It's when it's people I've never met before and it's confusing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I, this is going to sound harsh and to anyone listening, it's, it's not meant to be harsh. It's just, I do so much of it for a living. And so when I get my DMs get blown up regularly with, I'm thinking of this for my wedding or my husband, I don't like the way he dresses and it's our wedding soon or it's a birthday soon. What do you think he should wear? And I think I can't give you a consultation. That's not physically possible. I mean, I could, but I just don't have that much spare time. Like even during COVID, I don't have that much spare time. And so, yeah, I do get hit of a lot for advice. If it's just one quick thing, I can answer that in a heartbeat. If they send a picture saying, do you like this? No. (laughs) (laughs) Really easy. But when it's a full-on consultation, like that, it takes a week during an episode of Queer Eye. I can't do that. Yeah, it's a lot. But I do love that people like my advice enough to want to ask me. A lot of people don't want, thankfully a lot of people don't want to wear what I want to wear because I know that I'm over the top a lot because I'm on TV and I'm the fashion guy. Like I can't just turn up on a red carpet in a tux, because anyone in my world would be like, the fuck, the fashion guy's just wearing a black tux. Every man's wearing a black tux. So you have to step it up so you look a little kookier than most. So I always say, don't, I'm not saying dress like me, but I would happily have you take my advice. Because I know how to dress a person on a, on a street. Like I'm, I'm not completely deluded. Right, also you're an expert. So it's like, it's like a doctor telling someone to, you know, eat less dairy. The doctor's probably very, very healthy, like very strict diet plan, but not everybody can achieve that level. And I do love that you've compared me to a doctor because the (laughs) amount of training I go through is similar. Um, I do feel (laughs) smart as one. Um, Yes, I will take that. 
Yeah. How did your love of fashion develop? Like, what's your background and journey with all- your journey? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Delaney is killing this. Is so you are killing this. You can have your own podcast. She's going oh. to because we're going to kick her off. So yizzles <laughs> <laughs> with Delaney Fisher. Um, I okay. So I will tell you about my journey. I, you know, I'm so I'm Muslim. And I'm Pakistani, uh, and if we, not to sound condescending, a lot of people don't know where it is, so I'm just going to tell you, it neighbors India. Um, and so we, uh, we have a certain culture that doesn't really uh, embrace Western clothing, and so I didn't really wear that as a kid. I was usually in traditional clothing, and modesty usually is required in our culture if you're raised in a, a Muslim household. And so I was required to wear really unflattering clothing but I would watch I, I was obsessed with uh, Melrose Place and Nano 210 when mm. I was like five like I knew what an abortion was when I was like five or six which is <laughs> shocking um anyway so uh, I, I loved uh, American TV and so I wanted to dress like Brenda uh, and anyone else that was cool on any of those shows and so I started getting my family to my mom to buy me stuff that we would wear on like a Friday at school on Friday we'd have something called dress down Friday because the rest of the time we wear uniform and so I'd start to wear those at home which was not great for my family because apparently I looked like a whore every day um no but really it just meant uh, you could see the shape of my body which was confusing for our family because usually you can't see the shape of somebody's body um anyway I started playing with clothing a lot and then when I was like third, no, seven or eight. And then finally, when I got to the point of 13, so every summer up until 13, I would uh, work in my granddad's factory and he made uh, denim. And so I learned how to make my own clothes. And so if my family wasn't going to buy it, I would just take the offcuts and make my own wardrobe. And, um, and I did that for years and years and years. And it encouraged me to, to dress the way I wanted to dress, to feel the way I wanted to feel. Because honestly, it's not, as shallow as I think most people think. I think most people think, well, yeah, he puts people in clothes. Who gives a shit? However, it's because I know what it does with the way I feel. Like when I look in the mirror and I dress a certain way, I know that I've considered everything I've put in my body and therefore I feel powerful. I really do. And I think that people are starting to see through the lights of Queer Eye when we put somebody in something, they see the way they react to that as opposed to how they were at the start of the episode. And like, oh yeah, that person who had zero confidence is walking out like they're the shit at this point. And it's because of what they're wearing. And that, that reminds me of the importance of clothing. Wow. I love that. So cool. I love Thank it. you for sharing your <laughs> yeah, journey you. with us. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'm just doing what the universe told me to do. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really do. I, I, I watch... I, I'm a real people watcher and I watched uh, when I'm out and about or a couple of years ago before um, Queer Eye, I would sit there at a coffee shop in the window, especially in Europe. Uh, we always have like a bar table at a window and I would love to in between meeting with friends or whatever, I'd sit and watch people go by and I, you could tell the people who gave no shits about what they were wearing. They carry themselves in a certain way. They feel, they seem to have um, no self-confidence and, Every time I just thought, gosh, all it would have taken was for you to think, who do I want to be today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. How, how did you, how did Queer Eye come about for you specifically? You know, 
I think that people assume that anybody in our industry has been working and working and working for so long to get to this point. And therefore they've now like got that this is their reward. They get a big show after slogging for years. That really wasn't the case for me. Um, I worked, I worked as a designer. I was thankfully very successful in business, but I never had thought that I would be in TV. I never thought that I would be in entertainment in general. I truly am one of those unique stories you hear where somebody called and said, do you want to be on a TV show? Um, and, and, wow. and no interest. I wasn't, well, no, I was always this person, but I wasn't comfortable uh, being on camera. I was always like this, but I just had never thought of being in front of a camera. And so being in a Muslim household with, there were no photos. Like there's a photo from school, which my mom purchased, you know, those school photos that you have each year, you have them here, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they cost quite a lot of money. And, uh, again, we weren't very wealthy, but one, uh, one time my mom brought one of, purchased one of those small ones. Um, she bought a, a, a photo to just so, so I could re remember what life was when I was a kid. And that was literally the only photo I had until I hit my twenties. And so, and even then photos weren't very comfortable because we're not used to having photos. And so getting the job, and saying, okay, you're the first one to shoot on set. And there's a set, there's a crew of 36 people on set waiting to shoot you today. And you stand in front of those cameras thinking, I don't even have my photo taken. And you want me to perform in front of this whole crew of people? Ter truly terrifying. And so I, I didn't want to do the job. I, was, I didn't want to do the audition. Uh, so I turned it down a couple of times. And then somebody um, uh, asked if they could FaceTime or uh, Skype me just to to meet me and I was like, yeah, sure. They'd seen me through my social media. I didn't have a, a social media following really other than through my business. And I would just introduce what new products we had that month. I, I was the designer and I had women's clothing businesses. So I would talk through what new styles were dropping that month. But because of that, somebody from Netflix was a fan of the brand and loved my videos because I was myself, I was a little bit sassy and I was very opinionated. And so she was like, this, there's this guy who just retired. I retired when I was 32. I saw my businesses and things were real, real good. And then um, she was like, well, he's got to be available. We're looking for somebody. We haven't been able to find this final person uh, who could fit into this um, fit into this role on Queer Eye. And so they're like, he's available. Let's ask him. And so we, we did a FaceTime call it went really, really well. And then they asked if I would come to LA and I was like, oh no, thank you. I'm definitely not going to get the job. Like I'm a brown, I'm Muslim, but this, you're never going to put somebody like me on TV. I'm not going to waste my time. Thank you. And I don't need this. I'm, I'm comfortable just chilling at home now. I'm going to travel the world and have my children and that's it. Um, but they convinced me to come out. They were like, it's not going to hurt. Like it's just a day. All we're asking for is a day out of your life. Um, and so that I went and I loved the Queer Eye Boys. We all met and we got along so well. And then I said, yeah, this is a really long-winded story. I'm almost done. Oh, no, it's great. Amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm and then, <laughs> and I got the job and then we went to start shooting a month later. Um, I turned up uh, on set and I was so, so nervous. And the, most of the season for season one is shot out of order. It's all random. But the first episode is the actual first episode we shot. Um, and if you watch that episode, I'm really quiet. I cried in between every scene uh, because I was so nervous. I'd, I'd tell them I needed the restroom uh, and I'd cry and then come back on set 
and I felt physically sick. And so within uh, the first three weeks, I tried to quit twice. I was like, this isn't the job for me. I'm not an entertainer. Please let me go. And then they were like, no, we'll sue you. I was like, all right, great. Please don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I got real bitchy. I was like, if you try and sue me, I'll sue you. Like, you think that you're that powerful. I was like, I've got money too. I don't know who I thought I was. I was like, you think I haven't got an attorney? Anyway, they did, they convinced me to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I, I didn't, it wasn't just the pressure of the cameras. And I've told this story before. And so for anyone listening, I'm so sorry if you're hearing the same story over and over again, but it's the truth. It wasn't just because it's terrifying being in front of uh, 30 random people who are waiting for you to dance. It was, I I honestly was terrified thinking people are going to come for me so hard because there aren't people like me on TV and you don't want to you don't want to be the first one because people have their opinions and they're really nasty. And they do, if there isn't somebody like you, there's probably a reason. It's because they were also too scared to be on TV and to put themselves out there because you then do represent, I apparently represent over a billion people. There are a billion people like me in the world, but we just weren't ever given a platform. And so when you are the only one, you are expected to be perfect. You're expected to not fuck up at any turn. And it's actually really difficult, really difficult. All of us are valuable. Wow. Oh my God. It's an unbelievable story. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So with your... With your like very big rise to fame of like fame that you didn't even really want (laughs) like how how have you handled that how have you handled I mean you guys are such big big advocates of self-care and mental health and everything so much goes into being a huge public figure can you yeah um you know it sounds (laughs) sounds really arrogant but we it was shocking like within a week Within a couple of days, you you couldn't really leave the house without people knowing on the street who you were. Like, not just, oh, I think I know him from somewhere. Like, knowing your first name, your last name, they know what you do for a living, they know what you think about many things because we we don't have a script on career, we don't reshoot anything. Everything we say is our, our own personal opinions, they just edit it down. But everything we say is us. And so the, the people know you on the street who you've never met before. It's a very, very, very jarring experience, um, especially if it's something you didn't ever want. The other four boys they've wanted, or the other four uh, people on our show, sorry, they wanted, uh, uh, not fame, but they wanted this world. They wanted to be in entertainment for many, many, many years. And so for them, it's something that they've really uh, managed to reconcile in their heads what that might feel like. There's no preparing you, but you at least know that if you do get to the point that you want to get to, you do sacrifice a lot. For me, I wasn't prepared for it. And so it was difficult. Um giving up your privacy completely. It's very rare that I leave the house um, when I'm in my home state right now of Utah. I also um, live part-time in LA. I don't really leave the house there unless it's a work event where I know that we're going to be safe. It's a, it's a, a weird 
feeling. And it's not that I feel actually unsafe, like somebody's going to physically attack me. It's just some, there's always a camera up. Whatever you do is being photographed. And the, the, the strange thing is, is that I've been forced to live this way. When I first, um, when I, when the show first came out within the first few months, I met up with a friend uh, for brunch. We were in New York and this person was going through a breakup and I held his hand across the table to console him. And within a day, it was on every stupid um, scandal uh, piece of press. Tan's on this date with some rando. Tan's been married for 10 years. Who is this person? And I, and it was shit like that that really made me think, okay, you've got to be really careful now. Your life isn't just your own. And that's what I meant about the pressure, like the, the amount of shitty DMs I got uh, and the amount of shitty DMs this other person got saying, you're a homewrecker. I was like, no, he's one of my closest friends. My husband loves this person. What are you talking about? And so it just puts your guard up really badly. And so you just think it's just not worth going out. So I don't go out. Instead, I have people to my house. Like I, I have people at my homes regularly because it's just not worth being out of somebody creating some random shitty story. And to go on. It's not just my husband who is very secure. I, God, I love my husband so much. We have truly the best relationship. He knows I ain't interested in no one. Like he's had my attention for 12 years. I ain't going nowhere. However, it's not just about him. Like when those uh, articles come out, his parents read it, his uh, sisters, his brothers, like people start to doubt, even though they know me, they still, they, a picture says so much. I can argue it till I'm blue in the face. If I'm holding somebody's face, I'm just a very affectionate person. Taylor, you'll remember, like, as I said, I, I hugged you a thousand times. I'm a very affectionate person. And when I care for somebody, I hold them. And then people assume, well, Tan's stopping that person. No, I, I can have friends without wanting to sleep with them. Yeah. Um, how, is your, how did your husband react to you turning down the job, being offered the job? Was he very much like, I agree. Like you don't want to do that. Or was he like, he's do it? One, yeah. He's the one who convinced me. I wouldn't be in this, uh, without Rob. He, and he said it for the right reasons. He did highlight the, the negatives, which is you, you, you may, if it's a big thing, you might give up your privacy. But, um, I had known to him for years and years saying, where are our people? Like where are our stories? Nobody give a shit about our people. Uh, and I wasn't just talking about the straight Brown community. Cause there are a few representatives within our community. There's like Mindy Kaling and, uh, Jamila Jamil and Hassan Minaj. There's a few, Camilla and Jani. There's like literally like less than 10, but there are a few. Yeah. Whereas especially within the gay world, the gay world is painted as white and black. There are options in, so, in media. And so he was saying, you've moaned for years and years saying that people don't uh, see you, people don't care about your stories. Uh, you might have the, an opportunity to be the first one that finally gets a say. There's a different, there's another version of what it is to be gay and Muslim and queer and, uh, and uh, an immigrant and all those things that I represent. And uh, yeah, he convinced me and I, I'm really glad he did. Yeah. What are some of the the biggest things you've learned in your relationship that make it so amazing? It's so cool to hear you guys have been together 12 years. Um, we have a lot of listeners who are in relationships. Yeah. Do you have just advice? We so just much. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, if I weren't doing, if, if Queer Eye stopped tomorrow, I've said from day one to my agents, I want to do like 
a tour, like a relationship tour. Where oh, I amazing. Like legit, honest feedback. I am that person for everyone I know, even my castmates. And on Queer Eye, when there has to be a really awkward conversation to say, you're the problem, I'm brought in. <laughs> Do any of you have British friends? Any of you? I don't. Okay. Family. <laughs> okay. The Brits are known for just saying things as they are. We don't have the same passive filter as Americans. And it's lovely that you guys do this, but you usually won't say to your friend, hey, like, I know that you do, you're confused that this person broke up with you. Maybe you should have done this, this, and this differently. We will say these are the things that you could have done differently. And so I, that's what I want to do next. Like, I want to go on tour and say, Tell me your woes. Okay, you did this wrong. <laughs> um, try this next time. Um, because it worked really well for me and every friend I have, I give advice to if they ask for it and it helps solve that problem. Um, I am very open with my husband. I will tell him what was what is wrong. The first year or so, a couple of years in particular, we struggled a lot because he's very American. He's from Wyoming. His family is Mormon which means they are closed off on so many levels. They don't talk about anything. They don't talk about any feelings. Everything's brushed under the carpet. And so um, he really struggled hearing the real, real. If I didn't like something that he was doing, I'm like, do not do that again. That's the easiest way to be single. And, and so he got very upset a lot. And now it works so well. If I do something that upsets him, he's like, please don't do that again. I don't like it because of X, Y, Z. And then I don't do it again. Um, the the com- the thing that really makes us uh, a strong couple is that we always know that whatever happens, we will fight to make sure this lasts. There's no such thing as divorce. There's no such thing as separation for us. We both came into this knowing we treat it like an, an Indian arranged marriage. It's something that is very common in my culture. No matter what problem arises, we will iron it out because we love and care for each other first and foremost. Uh, and so thankfully we managed to navigate all those choppy, choppy waters. I will say this, we, uh, for the first six years, I wasn't living in America. I had a tourist visa so I could come here for up to 30 days. Then you have to leave for six months, then come back for 30 days. We did that for six years. And let me tell you, that's the best thing you could ever do. And let me explain why. And for the listeners out there, uh, we're on a Zoom call right now and all three of them have their mouths <laughs> We literally did it in unison, all agape. And let me tell you why I think it's so important. I had dated beforehand. I had a couple of relatively successful relationships, but it just didn't work out for a couple of reasons that were fundamental for me. But then I came to America to start dating because I just... I was in my 20s. I wanted to sleep my way across the country. Like that really was the way it is. I did really well with the American boys. They couldn't understand what I was and my coloring. So it just really excited them. And then I met my husband, who I love very much. But when you can't see some, when you can't be with somebody physically, you take sex out of the equation. All you have is emotion. All you have is conversation. And so you you almost have dated somebody at some point where the first six months that sex is that good, good, where you're like, oh, he's the best. And then six months down the line, you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? This guy's a con. Like the con. <laughs> you didn't see it. You didn't see it because he was dicking you all kinds of right. And so what I learned from this was, when he's not around, I can't be intimate with him. 
And so all I have is conversation. I get to know him on such a personal level, nothing shocking. So within a few months, nothing was ever shocking to me that he did in his behavior because every day for a couple of hours, we would do this. And there was no, there was no physical intimacy to jade your impression of a person. Mm. Yeah. That's so, that makes total sense to me on that end of it. I have heard so many other times though, where it's like the exact opposite that because you're not having that in-person interaction, you're missing out on what their actual energy is, or maybe some strain, just certain things that you only get in person. Did you experience that at all? No, I just, personally, I disagree. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, I think that you can get everything you need through, uh, through conversation. I mean, not permanently. I'm, uh, as long as you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, we always knew that I was going to live in America. We just couldn't get my permanent visa. So as long as you know that you plan to be in the same place, I think that you can iron out all those kinks. I really do think sex can confuse or intimacy can confuse relationships so greatly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, you're right. There needs to be an end date in mind. Yes. Otherwise, it's it'll drive you crazy. Absolutely. If we thought that we would live separately for the rest of our lives, it wouldn't have been for me. But we knew that we were working towards a common goal of actually being together. And in the meantime, we were going to get to know each other as much as possible so that when we can be together, there are no surprises. Mm. So it was for six years, 30 three days? On, three months on, six months off. Three months on, six months off. And we were married for four and a half years of of that time. We got married a year and a half after we met. Wait, so when you got married, you didn't have like a marriage visa or anything? No, in in America, you know, um, I love my country so much, but we were a little delayed with the gay marriage um, rights. And so um, it wasn't legal here. So we got married in London and then we had to wait a few years until... America finally caught up on decency and um, then they recognized us as humans and then we were allowed to be together again. Wow. You like forget it was that recent. I feel so dumb. I know. It happened five and a half years or six years ago. Yeah, it's it's not been long at all. And during those six month periods, you would, there was no visit. There was nothing. It was just straight up. Skype every day for at least a couple of hours, but no, 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 not in person. I was living in England. He was living in America and we weren't, we weren't earning a lot at that time. So we, we couldn't afford to fly out regularly because that shit's expensive. Like it's $1,500 each ticket. And so you could do that maybe once every six months, but it's a lot. How was your guys' trust with one another? Because like, you have to establish that at first. You really yeah. do. Um, and thankfully, I knew he wasn't doing anything with anybody else. He had no interest in anybody else. And he knew the same for me. That is the most complicated point, I understand, for a long-distance relationship. But as long as trust is there, and I think you should trust somebody at the start of a relationship. You don't, don't date them. As long as they've given you no reason to break that trust, um, you should be good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, between so that that and surviving a pandemic you guys can get through anything <laughs> no, I truly we feel that way and we, uh, we've been in the same house together now for five months every day not what truly like not one disagreement not one argument not one raised voice at any point this bitch makes me laugh so hard like, all day every day 
We oh. th- and that is what we did. We planned very early on. Uh, he, the one of our first conversations on our first date, he was like, "What are you looking for in a relationship?" I was like, "I'm not looking for a relationship." So I really wasn't. He said, "But okay, if you were to, what is the most important thing?" And I know that this is going to sound bullshit. Of course, like you want to be attracted to the person that you are dating. We understand that, so that's by the wayside. Uh, it, I just needed somebody to make me laugh. I'm really playful. It's so rare and serious, even though weirdly, you guys have made me be very serious on this call, which is so not like me. Um, <laughs> but I am usually very, very playful and I just want somebody to play. Like I just want a, a, a comedy partner at home. And thankfully mm-hmm. he's there. <laughs> oh, I love that. Tan, I am dying to know what your like self-care regimen is. <laughs> How do you relax and take care of yourself and de-stress and everything? Uh, ooh, TV. Do you know there's this comedy special that's really good? It's Tales from the I've watched it, I think, four times. <laughs> very good. Um, we do actually, we watch comedy specials every day, pretty much. Um, so that I use to, uh, to unwind. I, I, I know I've, I'm going to sound like I'm stalking you but I re- or kissing your ass, but I really am obsessed with comedy. And so that keeps me really entertained. I just need to laugh a lot. Um, and then if when I'm not watching TV, uh, I'm going on hikes in the mountains. I'm a very simple person. And I, it's funny, I think that people assume that if in my spare time I'm usually at a mall, I'm not a big shopper. I don't care about fancy shit usually. I'm a very outdoorsy person. I'm usually in something called Tevas. I think you're honest, <laughs> so you probably don't know what they are, but Tevas <laughs> are like a hiking sandal, which yes. are so unflattering. But <laughs> I hike, like that's what I do with my life. I hike and watch TV. I don't live um, a, a, like a fab life at all. And so my uh, the things that make me happy, the things that I focus on for my self-care, um, and that is at home, time with my husband on the couch, and then, uh, oh, and obviously baked stuff. Um, anyone who knows me knows I bake almost every day, um, and I'm obsessed. I did, so do you guys know what the show is, uh, The Great British Baking Show? Oh, okay. yes. Of course. <laughs> Fall asleep to it. <laughs> Great. Um, I, it's my favorite show, and I've been baking since I was a kid, and when I I'm not working. That is what I will do. It's very relaxing. And I just like to consume a lot of sugar. I can live my whole life never eating a, a savory meal ever again. Like it doesn't bother me. I just know that I'm probably diabetic. So I should calm down with my sweet stuff. But I bake these days. And I'm actually a very good baker. I don't have many talents in this world, but I do bake well. And uh, I did Celebrity um, Great British Baking Show, which doesn't show in America. It's in the UK only. And I won. No. And it was my dream. It was my dream. I loved it so much. I did it last year. I entered the tent and I, we've done a lot of incredible shit the last couple of years. I've met the most amazing people, the people that I had uh, admired since I was a, a little kid, but nothing affected me the way the, the tent did. I walked in and I literally cried. I was so happy to be there. It was, oh my, it was my oh. favorite show. It was beautiful. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> I also so just want to say, you saying I have few talents in this world is yeah, crazy. such bullshit. But <laughs> no, it's really not. I have literally like two. I can whip up a dress like no one else. And I can bake a cake that usually turns out pretty damn great. Other than that, I actually don't have any discernible skills. I can make people smile. That's it. Like that, that. 
She's not really Italian. I've well, literally man. created a career out of just smiling big and hopefully entertaining someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's so oh funny. How often, how often do you live in LA out of the year? Uh, last year I was there about four months. So this is going to be a real bushy conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, so the last couple of years I've been in LA a lot because of work like this um there's like the award season um and so uh, and then other press and shit that we do last year I only had 19 days in my own home like that's how crazy busy our schedules are I was doing three shows last year that consumed the majority of my year and when I wasn't doing the three shows I was on a press tour and the international press tours for all three so you are constantly away. And so I had 19 days in my own home, but the majority of my year seemed to be in LA because um, that's always a stopover for something. And so uh, I was sick of being in hotels more than an actual house. And so I got a house this at the start of this year in January. We've been renovating um, for the last few months and it's ready and I move out this week, uh, just temporarily. So I will, I'm going to flip flop between uh, LA and Salt Lake, but I always hated LA. You guys, are you all from LA? I was going to ask. I know you're there, but you, you're not from LA, right? I, I'm from Washington. Delaney's from, I'm from Washington State. Okay. And Taylor's more Northern California. Do you all live in LA now? Yes. Mm. Okay. I hated LA up until literally last year. I'd never lived there before. I was, uh, I, up until two or three years ago before Queer Eye, I wasn't really there. Maybe twice I had visited and I thought, oh, it's just fine. Everybody looks a certain kind of way, which bugs me because I feel the pressure to look attractive and I don't look like them. Like I'm not a muscle god. I'm not six feet tall. Like it just, it really made me feel horrible about myself. And so I didn't have any interest. And then I shot a show there last year. And so I had to live there for six weeks without leaving. We shot almost every day. And I found a little bubble and it's a douchey one because it's Beverly Hills, but it was just so nice. <laughs> and I didn't have to ever get on the freeway. I just, within 15 minutes, everything was there. Like my, the studio, my grocery store, my gym, and I was done. And I had a little group of friends and I fell in love with it. And so I was like, you know, I can make my peace with this. The weather's always quite nice. And so I've been going a lot more recently and I love it. If I don't go anywhere else in LA, I'm very happy. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so few people actually like LA. I feel like a lot of us just live here because we have to. Yeah. But people find their bubble. I mean, a lot of people live in like a little cool area where they can walk to what they need or they have their people nearby. And like, even hearing you say like, oh, I didn't feel, I felt so out of place in LA. I mean, I look at you and I go, oh, you fit right into LA. What are you talking about? And I felt that way. So I no. think everyone does. Yeah. Oh, they can't. Like you, you see those tools walking down the street knowing <laughs> that they're hit. Like, and I hate that shit so much. Have you ever been to a gym called Equinox? Oh, no, I, I have not, but we know. I have looked at one. Yes. <laughs> I think so, I, I unfortunately, Equinox is in all the cities I usually travel to for press. And so I, I signed up for it. And it, I've never felt, I've always felt over the last 15 years or so, I felt like, okay, you found your comfort in yourself. You can make peace with the fact that you look this way as opposed to like an Instagram model. That's fine. But Equinox is one of those places that even now, I went in probably eight or nine months ago. It was the last time I went in. I, 
as far as most people would be concerned, I had made it. I was, I had done well a few years prior in financially. And now I was on one of the biggest shows on TV globally. Good enough. I still walked in and felt like a drowned rat. I walked in with all these boys walking around who were ripped in their tiny little tank tops. And they all look at you like you're scum. And I'm like, you're right. I am fucking scum. Apparently, I'm not someone until I look like one of you fucking douchebags. <laughs> such a horrible feeling. It's such a horrible feeling. And I walked in with coffee because I can't live without coffee. And they walk up there like, whatever it is, they're protein shakes and shit. I'm like, fuck you, douchebag. <laughs> leave me alone. I felt fine until I came in here and now I feel like shit. So there is so much pressure in LA. I do hate that feeling. I wish we could just tell them all to just calm the fuck down. Like, don't, you don't need to go to the gym every day. Like, live your life, you weirdo. <laughs> like, and, and there were many things that bothered me about LA, but the main thing was, so in England and in Salt Lake, when you finished your meal, they will just give you a dessert menu. And in LA, I'm like, fuck yourself. Like, don't make me ask for a dessert menu. Like, what a shitty thing to do. Like, of course I want dessert. Like, how the hell am I meant to finish my meal without fucking dessert? And you know, you know exactly what face they're going to pull when you ask for that fucking dessert menu. Does anybody else want one looking at all the people who obviously live in LA and knowing that they're all going to say no? So you're sat there like... And I do do it in a really dicky way. And I'm like, yes, I don't care that they don't want dessert. I want dessert. <laughs> That's the most inspiring thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> fucking skinny bitches. Like, just give me my fucking dessert menu. You're so right. Because then you have to have that conversation. It's not just that you have to answer the the waitress or the waiter. It's that you have to do... Oh, well, I, I mean, I, oh, no. I could if you... Want- that's really it. sweet that you that women are usually more apologetic about it. Thankfully, again, when you get to know me better, Taylor in particular, you will really get to see this. I usually don't excuse my behavior. So with all of my friends, they know, and I won't even have to say, I'm sorry, I'll just turn on and say, fuck off, I'm having dessert. Like, <laughs> pick one. Uh, I do not care if you think I'm a pig, I'm having dessert. <laughs> I love that so much. Live. Gotta live your life. I, 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 there are many things I like about LA, but that is the the food situation is my biggest gripe. I've never found so many people have problems with, and I really do see it as a problem, like a real problem with food. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. And there's so many good places to eat in LA. There really are. Beautiful Great. Food. The Beautiful. city is full of people going. Any, and this is what other people do. This is what I will do if I want dessert. I don't go. Yeah, I want dessert. I go. Yeah, let's look at it. I know. But I'm sure you know, I'm sure you're desperate for give me the fucking dessert. But outwardly, you're like, well, I'll share. Do you want to share something? I And I I always did this literally two days ago. It was the first time I went to a restaurant in, I think, four or five months. And I went with my husband and a couple of friends, and they said, Do you want to share something? I'm like, Have you fucking met me? No one touched my dessert. Like no one is touching my. If you want something, you get it. I'm not sharing. I didn't wait four and a half months to come to a restaurant to share something. Yeah, that's like, how my I food, am. man. My food's really important to me. Yeah. What was that like going? Because I actually did that this week too. I went to a restaurant that was like outdoors and distance and everything. Yeah. And I was very stressed out for the first like ten minutes. Yeah. 
And then you settle into it and you're like, okay, I'm all right. Which is so funny because I went to protests and I wasn't nervous about yeah. it. But at a restaurant, I was really nervous. How, well, how did you guys feel? In Utah, it's not as rough as LA right now. Right. So it, it, it wasn't as intense. And we went to a smaller town uh, further outside of Salt Lake. So it, it felt a little safer. However, yeah, within the first 15, 20 minutes, I kept saying, does this feel weird? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everyone at the table was like, fuck off. Yes, it does, but don't say anything. <laughs> because everybody, no, but obviously you're not going to wear a mask whilst you're eating, but it just felt strange to see no one in a mask. It, yeah. I don't know. I, I really can't rationalize it. It just makes, it makes no sense. I'm just a little scared. Um, and it's not like I've had a, a concern. I've not at any point thought, oh, do I have it? I just, you see the reports on TV and you just think, oh gosh, am I going to be one of those people that they say, we don't understand what happened. He seemed really fit. And then all of a sudden he dropped dead. Like I've, I've got that horrible feeling that I'm that person. And so, and I'm sure we all feel that way. We're all like, oh no, I don't think I'm going to be one of the ones that just has a sight <laughs> and then they're fine. Like I, I have started to panic about it. So I've been really, really careful. I've social distance to the fucking nth degree. Mm-hmm. I, have be- I go to the grocery store maybe once a week. And even then I'm like a maniac looking around constantly. Is anyone near me? And that's the only place I've been. And so being out for the first time in months was super weird. Yeah. Yeah. And How I don't the start do it of all this. Yeah. How was the start of quarantine and all this for you guys? It was super weird. So we were filming Queer Eye season six. We had just started literally five days prior. We had all moved to Texas to start shooting the show on the Sunday. And then by the Thursday, (laughs) we were all like, okay, I guess we go home for a couple of weeks until we ride this thing out. And so we, yeah, we flew home um, and nothing really was going on in Texas. And I flew home and within a day, Apparently no more toilet paper was available in the state of Utah. And so that was really confusing. There wasn't any milk or bread. So it just, it didn't feel scary until we went to the store. And I'm sure you all saw the movie Contagion. I've watched it a few times over the last few years. And I was thinking, oh no, I know what comes next. They start to go to homes. Like they start to loot people's homes. So I, the only thing that worried us wasn't actually the, the fear of getting COVID. It was that somebody's going to come to our house and try and take, whatever we have uh, and that was terrifying thankfully that didn't happen <laughs> and so over the next few weeks we just stayed in as much as possible um and it's not it's not worried me up until this point really that i'm going to get it until i was out mm. that's the only time it's screwed us over up until this point we we're some of the incredibly lucky ones and i understand that we're not worried that uh, we can't go to work it's just it, for the first time i've been able to be home i've i've owned this home for two years i've never been here longer than three days up until covid and so uh and so for me it was just lovely to be home and to be with my husband for longer than a couple of days a week yeah which i know sounds horrible because i know that the world is struggling so much but some people being at home is the ultimate luxury. Like they haven't done it in a long time. For somebody who truly lives on the road, I hadn't done it in so long. So I was grateful to be home at least. Yeah. Yeah. This is a bit of a gear shift, but you know, you and each of your castmates are experts in these various areas on the show. What's something that you've learned from your castmates that has been maybe something you incorporate into your daily life or just a big game changer for you? 
Um, you know, it's not that they te- all teach little things that I, I absolutely take away. However, it's not so much that. It, for me, it's like an overall attitude shift. Up until the point when I started on Queer Eye, there was still certain um, homophobias. I'm, I'm not actually not homophobias. Things that I was concerned that if I showed them, people might not might not like me as much. For example, if I had an effeminate side, I wouldn't sh- I wouldn't show it as much. I was hi- I would hide it away just in case somebody thought, oh, he's too faggy for me. Like I don't want to. I don't like him because of that. Um, or I don't like that he crosses his legs. Or I don't like that he moves his hands so much. And being with four other queer people who we all encourage each other to just be ourselves. Like forget that the world expects a man to be masculine. Let's that can fall by the wayside. Just do who you are. And that's all that you can do. That's the thing that I've really taken away. And with every season that we've shot, I've gotten more and more comfortable. with just highlighting every part of my personality. Some of it's incredibly feminine, some of it's not, and I'm fine with that. If you would, if you had told me that I would be comfortable crossing my legs for the world to see three years ago, I'd, I would have told you that it would never happen. I know that if I cross my legs, I'd have to quickly slap them back to the other position so people don't think that I'm a concern. And that really is how life used to be, whereas now I'll throw on a heel and I don't give a shit if somebody's got something to say about it. Yeah. And that's nice. So that's my biggest takeaway. That's my biggest takeaway is just to be authentic and not be massively concerned with what people think. And I know, again, you know, every time I say something, I'm like, don't forget what the haters haters will say. And so for all you haters out there, I get it. I'm in a position of privilege. Like, I, I know that I get to be a certain way when you've hit a certain level of notoriety. You do get, you are afforded privileges that you wouldn't be afforded if you were just average Joe Schmo on the street. I'm sure Joe Schmo couldn't wear a pair of heels um, and get away with it. I know I can because I'm on a red carpet and I'm wearing those pair of heels and people celebrate my bravery. I, I understand that there's a big difference, but I do like to be in a position where I get to be myself. Yeah. And to encourage other people to be themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We know you only have an hour. Delaney, do you have any last questions? I was just going to say any final words of wisdom that you would like to give to our wonderful listeners and obviously whatever you... Uh, Gosh, words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, words of, I have no words of wisdom. I'm not very wise. But I will say that the way... Uh, it's something that I've talked about a lot over the last couple of years. The way that we are with ourselves is um, often really shitty. And the one thing I've noticed with every one of the people that we've helped on the show over the last few years is that uh, we don't do ourselves many favors in making ourselves feel better and allowing ourselves to be happy um, because we think it's selfish selfish, or, um, uh, or, or that we just think we're not worthy of it. I think taking those moments where you can celebrate who you are and highlight the best of who you are. And if it means having a, a, a long bath and forgetting about all the the drama in the world right now, the stress of the world right now, that doesn't make you a bad person for being selfish for an hour. That means that you need time to decompress before you can go out and fight that fight again. Or when you get dressed up in the morning and you look in the mirror, if you want something that's a little more put together and you know that 
I don't know, the neighbors don't have that fancy thing that you have um, that you're wearing right now. Don't feel shame about it. If it makes you feel good about yourself and therefore you're in a mental place to be able to help others, then so be it. We've got to stop beating ourselves up and judging ourselves so harshly and just be a little kinder to ourselves. There's something that I do that I've been doing for many, many years. Um, when I brush my teeth in the morning at the start of every day, I don't put clothes on before I brush my teeth. I will. The first thing I do, I step out of bed, my bathroom's just there, and um, and I will brush my teeth in my underwear. And it usually takes a couple of minutes to brush your teeth. If it doesn't, you know, like you, you're definitely not doing that right, and you're going to have major problems. Um, <laughs> so when you're brushing your teeth, I just look at myself in the mirror, and I know that I have many flaws that people might see, but I don't care about those within those two minutes. I, in my head, I. I'm thanking myself and whatever that is out there for all the things that I do like. And I'm, and I see the things that I'm grateful for, especially in the positions that we're all in, we're all doing something very public. People are always ready to tear us down. They're always ready to say, this looks stupid on you. You look cold, you look ugly, you look fat, you look skinny, you look this, you look that. I can take that for the rest of the day. If I know that at the start of the day, I, I at least know that I like these few things about myself, no matter what. Anybody else says, I like these things about myself. So I start on my physical things and then I will um, focus on my, uh, the other things that I, uh, that I have about my personality that I like. And no matter what somebody says to me for the rest of the day, and I get it all day, every day. I'm sure you guys do in your DMs too. It's a shitty feeling, but I feel so much stronger thinking, you may think that, but I know this, this, and this about myself for sure. Was so, so good, good advice. Oh, you're like, I'm not wise. Here's the but- wisest thing you'll hear today. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, good takeaway. Oh wow. Yeah, thanks. Oh. No, I don't want to go yet. Give me five more. <laughs> I can. I've got questions for you. Oh my gosh, you can't. We're trying to be respectful <laughs> yes. of your time. Yes. Oh, yeah. fine. I've even got more time. I don't have a call till three thirty my time, which is two thirty. I've got time. Okay. So, I don't. Has anyone ever interviewed you three on this together? Not really. directly, no. Great. Okay, this is what I do for a living. And so I want to know, how did this happen? Where did we meet? How long has it been going on? And how do we feel about it? <laughs> Love it. How do we start this? How did you yeah. meet? Uh, were you all friends before this? We, before so, the podcast? Yes. Mm. So the three of us were, so Delaney um, is a retired stand-up comedian now, but we've been doing the <laughs> podcast for a little over three years and we all met through stand-up. So Taylor and I are stand-ups full-time. Okay. Um, well, we were before COVID. Now we do <laughs> virtual shows now in our living room. Now you both sit down a lot. Uh-huh. Um, yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Not a lot of standing. Uh, so we met through that. We had started to decide oh maybe we should write a pilot together we should try and write some sort of project well, wait, did you meet a, a, a stand-up uh, event through somewhere? comedy yeah through stand-up okay. shows okay. i think i met both of them at comedy festivals where i was heavily intoxicated <laughs> <laughs> always a good way to get on stage yeah. like blossomed <laughs> from there <laughs> yes so when you said you re- you retired People were just sick of you. Yeah, <laughs> up on stage and inebriated. Okay, great. I, uh, yeah, I left entertainment and I, I started a business. So now I'm a creative consultant. Ah. And so now I'm like a stay-at-home comedian, at least on the podcast. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and then who came up with the idea to do a podcast? Taylor, wasn't it you who was like, we I should think, do a podcast I think I while was we're like, doing this? 
Yeah, I think I was like, these two like hot girls aren't going to stay friends with me <gasps> unless we have a weekly project. And we'd like written this pilot together and we were like, but that takes forever. And we don't know if that'll get made. And we were like, I was like, we should do a podcast. We all like self-improvement. We all like self-help and, you know, kind of feeling it out. And within like 20 minutes, they had emailed me back with like ideas and a name and a Google doc. Yeah. Yeah. Google doc. I I have all the equipment. I know how to edit. Like it was just, it was like linking up with two other people who had also been the leaders in every group project in sixth grade. I know everybody was very similarly minded. What happened to the pilot? Just out of interest. Did you ever pitch it? it. We We did it. Another, somehow another network had picked up a project that was identical to ours, but with three men instead Mm -hmm. of three women. And that will always trump three women. Mm -hmm. Something same happened. name, yeah. same name, same concept, same everything. We don't really know what happened. Unfortunately, I forgot about that. I blocked that out. Yeah, it was very <laughs> traumatizing. <laughs> it was very bizarre and terrible. Yeah, but yeah. the podcast has been the thing now that ended up being um, successful for us. And we started it just as like this will be fun, and we want to keep being around each other and make something together. And now we're so lucky that it's been it's been over three years and. Uh, we have this great community. Love Lovely. It. Uh, so I'm not, uh, I, I don't do many podcasts. You must know this. People get podcast requests constantly. I oh. have no joke, like truly no joke, at least 10 a day, minimum 10 a day. Like my manager, my agents contact me at the end of each day saying, okay, this is what has come in for you. And it's hard because you, you, it's hard to set yourself apart in the podcast world right now. Um, and it's nice to have a podcast where you equally clearly respect each other. So you allow each other time to ask a question. Whereas often you find with a group of people on a podcast, there's somebody who wants to be the star or is the star and the others aren't allowed to really have the time. And so it's nice that you all respect each other to be able to have an, a, a conversation that flows nicely as opposed to some of the ones I've done where I'm like, there are other people on this call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We they, try to be really careful about it. And we've been really pleasantly surprised that over Zoom, we're still able to do it because when we're in a studio, it's a lot easier. Yeah. To kind of feel who has the next question. But we've had, we've had calls where we're like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Like, cause. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously with us as a fivesome, it is very difficult. We are all very, very, very chatty people and very inquisitive. And so we always have a thousand questions. It is hard, but after a while, you really get into the flow. You know when somebody's going to speak, or you know that somebody has something relevant in that space to mention. And so it does get easier and easier. Um, now, Delaney and uh, Kelsey. <clears throat> When she was filming, <laughs> we're going to talk about you as if you're not here. When she was getting ready for her special, mm-hmm. did she show you any of the material beforehand? And did you, are you in a position where you can say, don't add that, that shit? Did see the material hey. ahead of time. And I saw her, mm-hmm. I saw you run it at a different show, Tay. Uh, in I sent you, a, I feel like I sent you the hour, Delaney. Yeah, yeah, you sent it to me. And, you know, she... Taylor, nice. Taylor needs no help with shit. Let's be real. Yeah. She'll she ask does. like, hey, do you like this in this position? Or, yeah. you know, ask those types mm-hmm. of things. And 
I mean, it's still fun for me, even though I didn't like doing stand up myself, you know, career wise. Wait, why? I, <laughs> Say <life's>, more. <laughs> uh, the lifestyle, honestly, I was so depressed. I was so depressed being out every night and gone on the weekends. And yeah. it was just very much, I'm, I'm very much an introvert and I like, I'm a homebody and I was going yeah. against that. But I love the craft of it. I love the writing. Yeah. I love the collaborating with other people. And so when Taylor or Kelsey send me stuff like, hey, what do you think? I still get that excitement, even though, you know, I'm not. Yeah, you know, I totally get that. I totally get that. Being on the road is really fucking hard. Really, really, really taxing on your mental health. I, I, I When I mentioned that um, comedians are often uh, a little distant, I think they see some shit on the road. I get super into, I'm always super lonely and I can talk to a brick wall for at least two hours before I've realized it hasn't said anything. Um, <laughs> but even I struggle on the road after a while. It, it is an incredibly lonely place. It takes a real stamina to get through it. And so I can see now why when I meet very successful comedians, you know that they've been through this a long, 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 long time and they don't want to do the small talk anymore. It's too hard. Yeah, you have to, yeah. like, Taylor and Kelsey love it so much, and they're so amazing at it. It's like, yeah. you have to love it so much yeah. to do all the other stuff yeah. that is required of you. Yeah. And I didn't love it as much, yeah. unfortunately. But I love what I do now, so it worked out. Good, good. <laughs> and so you saw her show, and did you go for the live? Where did you do your live? Did you like the actual taping? Portland, Portland, Oregon. Do, were either of you there? Delaney was Kelsey had shows. I had okay. comedy shows on the weekend, yeah. Um, it, what, did you know when you were... So I, I promise I, the plan wasn't to make this all about your comedy uh, special. <laughs> I'll ask you in real life as well, I'm sure. But did you know when you were in the audience, oh, no, this is this is going to be, going to be good. This is going to be a thing. Can you sense it when you're at a show? Like, you can tell that something's going to hit? Oh, Taylor or me? Taylor, Delaney, no, you about asking Taylor. you, Delaney. Oh, oh, I mean, I had seen. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're both hilarious. So anytime, I mean, I I know a lot of their material now, so you know yeah. where the laughs are going to come, or you know, like when they when they've added something new, which is really exciting yeah. and stuff like that. But the, can you tell people, when they're nervous on stage? No, I feel they're freaking professionals. They're pros. You, they they are cool as a cucumber up there. And honestly, yeah. I yeah, I um. I, they're they're the only two comedians I watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're the only comedy shows I still go to because it's like <laughs> I'm here for Wait, my there friend. Are, there <laughs> are a couple of other incredible women, and I'm, I know you know them. Oh, and of course. You know all of these people. Of course. I recently saw a, a lady called Rachel Feinstein. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really made me laugh hard. Um, she, it was so vulgar, <laughs> which I really, re- I really appreciate in a comic. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Wanda Sykes, if you yeah, haven't seen so her good. special called Amma Be Me, have you seen this one? Oh, it's yes. so good. Um, Kelsey, um, <laughs> you ever, uh, I told you I've got questions for fucking days. I could go on for literally an hour. Kelsey, do <laughs> you ever perform in LA? I do all the time. Okay. Um, Taylor, you, as you know, cause we've been texting about it. I'm, uh, coming to LA soon whilst I'm there at any point over the next few years if Kelsey's performing will you please take me to her show I would like to see um I I, can we give yourself a fucking shout out where can we see your material oh you're so sweet well so I've done a few um tv appearances I did the tonight show and um a little late with Lily Singh on NBC and a comedy central thing and that's all on YouTube and then I just 
I just shot my first comedy special and that airs on epics in either October or February. It depends on which chunk they're putting it in with programming. But were you yeah. happy with the performance? I was, it was such an, it, it was shot like two, three weeks ago during the pandemic. So it was shot oh. out in an outdoor venue, socially distanced, um, such a strange way. When you picture when you're, you know, coming up in comedy, yeah. thinking of your first comedy special, would have never pictured it during yeah, a pandemic. Yeah. People like with their masks on and, um, but it was so, it felt so good because we have been without performing live for months and months. It's never gone this long in my life, not performing. So yeah. it felt almost like a, like a time capsule performance that I got. It's cool. I got to do this during this time and do yeah. jokes specifically about what's happening and that it will exist in this, like people will watch and go, Oh, this was during the pandemic. Look at everybody sitting spread out. When you, I've got two, a couple more, and then I promise I'll let you go back to your lives. When you are um, uh, workshopping it, and when you're not filming it, do you find it easy? It, does the camera add a pressure to you? It does to me when I, I'm on camera. It's, it's, it's nerve wracking. Does it Absolutely. make Absolutely, yeah. I think the more the more you do it, the quicker that can kind of fade out of your mind and kind of just get into the set. But always right when I get on stage, I'm very aware of like, oh, wow, okay, there's a camera and it is close to my face. And so it's more than just, am I telling the jokes right? It's like, is my face contorted weird? Is, Is my hair stuck in a fake eyelash? It's like, it's just so many, we've talked about it as women doing um, TV performances for comedy that there's just other things you have to think about, unfortunately. I mean, you are right. Women have more pressure. However, as a gay man also, to a certain extent, there is pressure. And what I will say is that I have, do you have a, you all have, must have a side, right? Everybody has a side when they've done something public. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have to figure that out. Okay. <laughs> We all take our time to fight. It's got to be in your time. I found mine. And every time there's a camera, when they start to come on this, no, no. And I do love, I do love now when I've gotten to a point where I can be like, no, it feels so nice. Like if the cameraman starts coming, over here, no, no. Global sensation, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that. It's to the not left. That. It should be. No, it's just, I've hit a certain age and I'm like, I shouldn't have to put up with that angle. I'm 37. I don't want to be seen there anymore. There's age on that side that isn't age on this side. Move the fuck over here and get the younger side. Really? Okay. And the last one, and we're done. Kelsey and um, and Taylor, I need you to answer this in the most honest way, but not about each other. Are you happy with Kelsey? No. I'll start with you. What? Oh, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> are you happy? Yeah. Are you happy with what you wore, Kelsey? And how did you choose what to wear? Because whenever I'm doing like a big thing, and obviously for a comedian, the their special is the thing. Like that's your Oscars night, I guess. Sure. What? How? Do, how do you decide what you're gonna wear? Because that's evergreen at that point. Like that, you're gonna look back on that in 15 years and think either yay or nay. How do you decide? And were you happy? What a great question. Um, well, it was outside. So there were these other factors in it of like, it's going to be a little chilly. I went on stage after 11 PM. Wait, where were you? LA? Yeah. Shooting. It was shot in Burbank and okay. like the Hills of Burbank. And they were like, it gets oh. pretty cold at night. Okay, so it is. It is. Okay. Fair. So that right there kind of cut out some options where it's like, 
well, I'm not going to be out there in a tank top or a dress. It's going to be different. So I wore, um, black boots, black skinny pants that were tucked into the boots. Um, was it a black bodysuit with it? Like a black t-shirt bodysuit with a light pink jacket over it. And I wanted, I wanted to feel confident, but comfortable. I, Taylor and I have both done TV appearances where we've gone the more feminine route in how we've dressed and we I feel, remember. yeah. And we mm-hmm. feel beautiful, but there's a big part of comedy where you you need to feel really comfortable and like yeah. that you can move. It's not a just stand and pose. Yeah. It's you're you not a dolly move. bird. Yeah, you gotta yeah, yeah you gotta be physical sometimes. And so I felt comfortable, physically comfortable in what I was wearing. But I also looked in the mirror and was like, I'd kept my hair down for it. I had you know full makeup on. Yeah. I felt confident, but I, I could still move. Good, Taylor Thomas. <laughs> Could have used your help though. Would have loved some tan expertise. Uh, did you pa- did you panic about what you're wearing, or did you know? Like, yeah, I know what I'm wearing I for the special. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Go ahead. I thought who are we talking to? Oh, sorry. I don't know. Taylor. Yes, Taylor Thomas. Oh, so sorry. Oh yes, go. Um, for the special, I bought like so many jackets that were very just similar. I I just wanted to wear exactly what I wore on stage to perform in clubs and and wherever else but like a nicer version of that, like right. a more put together. So I always knew like, okay, black jeans. I bought tennis shoes that had like a little bit of a lift in them. And I was surprised by that for one reason, because they're high. And I just thought it's been a fucking hour. How is she still studying those things? They're so comfortable. They're really not that high. Okay. They really weren't that high. And they were kind of like a wedge. So I, they were really comfortable actually. Rising. Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. You look lovely. I just, um, yeah, I, uh, this, uh, every time I see a woman on stage in a heel and it's an hour, I, I now know what it's like to be in a three or six inch heel on a red carpet for half an hour. And I'm ready to chop my feet off. And you don't, and when you move, actually, it's easier when you're walking. You guys are mostly stood in a very small space. You're not moving around a ton. That shit hurts your feet. I, I applaud you. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to offer one tip, a quick, yeah. uh, a quick tip that I've never shared on the show, but I was thinking about uh, comedians earlier and uh, have you ever watched a comedian and all you can focus on is their sweat pits? Like they've got like really bad, they're pitting out super bad. And I always yeah. think, God, why didn't their stylist, if they don't have a stylist, why didn't somebody just tell them there's a really easy solution. There's underarm sweat pads. So no matter what you're wearing, other than a tank top, it doesn't work for a tank top, but anything else, that you can get them in like a pack of 50 from like Target, whatever. They look like um, sanitary towels, but much, much thinner. But you've got like the sticky part on the outside and you put them on the inside of your top, you would never know you've got, you're pitting out. Like you don't need to do the armpit Botox. You just wear your, your pads under your arms and you're good to go. So for your next special, if ever you think, all right, I might, it might be a hot one. Here you go. Did I have pit stains? I didn't have pit stains. You, didn't, you had a jacket on. Which <laughs> that's, is why I I ja- that's why I wear jackets. I, I honestly did. I, when, you, uh, when I saw the jacket, I thought anyone who was doing an hour and doesn't have a layer on is nuts because you are going to see that for sure. You're going to see that. And I know you said, uh, um, Kelsey, you said it was going to be cold. I would take the cold any day over a warm studio any day yes 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 for sure that 
help them. When I've seen on camera, it's only happened a couple of times when I've seen myself with pit stains or just like sweat and yeah. more sweat. I can take anything else. Like I, I could sneeze and have like the kid thing hanging out. <laughs> I can make my peace with that more than pit stains. Right. Yes. So there's my there's my queer eye Thank hit. Thank you. Oh, it's good. Queer Thank good. you. Well, for sure. You guys. Pit pads. Thanks it. for giving me <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my oh. gosh. <laughs> you are so, so kind and amazing and lovely. And I know how many podcast requests you must get, which is why when I messaged you, I was like, Please, if you don't want to do it, it's completely fine. I'm so comfortable with a no. I say I'm real good with a no. If I say yes, it's because I truly care for the person and I want to do it. And I knew I'd have a giggle. So thank you so much. Really, I appreciate you having me on. You guys, it's been so fun. And Kelsey and Delaney, it's lovely to meet you. So nice lovely to meet you. Hopefully I'll see you in real life at some point. Yes, that would I be love fantastic. That. Thank you for wanting to come to a show. Yes. I really want to come to a show. Taylor, I'm not fucking lying. Like, when you know you're going to a show, just text me if I'm in town. I really would love to go. I'll drive. Absolutely, yeah. Once everything's <laughs> open again and we, yeah. we can do that. And if okay, you want to uh, watch a creepy comedy special, I have a free one on YouTube called Love It First Cousin. <laughs> if you guys watch comedy specials every oh day, my gosh. it is about romantic cousin relationships. Taylor, so, <laughs> it's so good. Well, obviously, you have to Would you send it? Like, that's so Yes, wild. I'll send it. Yes, send it right now. now. It's so what made Michael friend? Buble fall in love with Delaney. Oh, Michael like, Buble yes. watched the special, and he was Thank on the show recently. <laughs> I just yeah. talk about okay. I talk about cousin fucking tan. So if that's your thing, uh, you know. Def- I mean, I've got <laughs> so many of mine. So yes, apparently it is. Weirdly, mostly female. Um, so yeah, that's that's my thing. Um, you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for having me. Um, there's a producer on here, and I forgot. Oh, Aaron, I will send you this voice recording in a moment. Um, you guys, thank you so much. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God. Bye. Bye. Bye, Tan. <laughs> Oh, he's amazing. I in shock. <laughs> I just can't believe that happened. I just didn't want it to end. What do I do with the rest of my day now? Oh my gosh. Can that was my whole day. Can we all just please hang out? Yeah. Like, go somewhere. <laughs> we can go somewhere outside. Safe. <gasps> oh, oh yeah. That just... was one of my favorite episodes just because that yeah, sure. I just really enjoyed that conversation and hearing about his background too was so interesting um, yeah. stuff. I just, you know, never knew about, you know, his queer eye story was yeah. amazing. I didn't know any of that, that he uh, had no interest in being intelligent because he's so, he's such a natural, so yeah. natural. He's a natural entertainer to yeah. me that I was like, Oh yeah, this is probably what you always wanted to do. And the fact that he was so nervous and wanted to quit. I mean, I didn't know it was possible to love him more. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Same. Same. So great. Uh, we have an yeah. iTunes review, right? Yes, we do. This is from um, Proud Helpster K. <laughs> it says, Cookie is comedy and all the compassion. To anyone who feels scared, sad, or anxious, give this pod a listen. These ladies do such a good job normalizing what everyone goes through and are fully aware that they are not experts. They get it and they laugh through it, which helps us laugh along. Any age, any gender, there is truly zero shame. Delaney Taylor and Kelsey created a safe space for us to listen and learn, feeling genuinely self-helped. Many kudos, claps, and cookies for these three wonderful human beings. Thank you so much. That, that was, was a really nice one. Thank you, Helpster K. 
Very yeah, sweet. Thank you. Well, I mean, I yeah. I'm gonna go lay down. Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you do? What do we do? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Um, we'll have We'll have segments next week, guys. We've just the last couple guests have been so incredible and given us given us so much. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, Tan interviewing us was a segment <laughs> in and of itself. Yes. I know. Yes. That was the good shit for the episode. Absolutely. All right. We love, we you, love guys. you guys. Stay love safe. You. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to Self Helpless. We really appreciate it and would love anything you can do to help the show grow and get the word out. So if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that helps us move up the iTunes charts. If you can tell a friend, a coworker, a family member, anybody that you think would love the podcast, you can also screenshot an episode and share it in your Instagram, in your Instagram stories, anything helps. Also, if you want more of the show, if you want bonus episodes, if you want to be able to be more interactive and help choose podcast topics, you can go to patreon.com slash self-helpless and join there. You guys can follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Cook Comedy, on Twitter at Kelsey Cook. You can go to my website, KelseyCook.com, which has links to my online makeup course. You can listen to my album, Savor It, on Spotify and iTunes, and you can watch my foosball web series on YouTube called Wrists of Fury. How about you guys? Where can people find you? You can follow me at Taylor Tomlinson on Instagram and Twitter. My website is ttomcomedy.com. And you can watch my one-hour special streaming on Netflix right now called Quarter Life Crisis. Awesome. And you can find me at DelaneyFisher.com. That's where you'll find information about my one-to-one consulting and my online courses. So basically, if you're a business owner, podcaster, or comedian, uh, and you're looking to either start those things or grow those things, you can reach out to me for more information. I also have an email list at DelaneyFisher.com where I share my favorite tools, tips, treats, and free shit. And then we just want to say a big special thank you to our wonderful editor, Emma Erdbrink, and our fantastic associate producer, Humaira Nawaz. And you can find everything that we all just mentioned at selfhelplesspodcast.com. <laughs>